Welcome to the Faith Connections Podcast, a partnership between the Foundry Publishing, Nazarene Discipleship International, and Holiness Today. Welcome to our study this week of Judges chapter 2, verses 6 through 7, and verses 10 to 23. My name is Scott Rainey. I serve with the Church of the Nazarene in the area of Nazarene Discipleship International, or NDI. This adult Sunday school video lesson is provided in collaboration between the Foundry Publishing and NDI. The Sunday school lesson is intended to support the local church's efforts to make disciples who make disciples. Please feel free to use this video in any way that helps your church or its families. For many weeks, we have followed the journey of the Israelites from Egypt through the desert. When the Israelites arrived at Mount Sinai, Moses took Joshua, his assistant, up the mountain. There on the mountain, Joshua stayed while Moses entered the cloud for 40 days to receive God's instructions and commandments according to Exodus chapter 24, verses 13 to 18. The Israelites left Mount Sinai and camped near the desert of Paran. Moses sent 12 men north to explore the land of Canaan. Ten of the men returned with a negative report for Moses. They said, according to Numbers chapter 13, verse 28, the people who live there are powerful and the cities are fortified and very large. Only two men Joshua and Caleb spoke with faith, assuring the leaders that God would give them victory. Because the people did not trust God, none of the people of that generation, 20 years and older, except Caleb and Joshua, would ever enter the promised land. The book of Joshua records how the, the, the new leader, Joshua, took the next generation of Israelites into Canaan and fought for the land God had promised. After crossing the Jordan, God helped Joshua and the Israelites conquer many of the cities in the new land. With some nations still remaining in the land, temptation grew for Israel to worship other gods, the gods of the Canaanites. Joshua gathered the tribes together and famously said, choose for yourself this day whom you will serve whether the gods of your ancestors who, who they serve beyond the Euphrates or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you are living. But as for me and my household, we will serve the Lord. Joshua chapter 24, verse 15. The response of the people was unanimous in Joshua chapter 24, verses 16 to 18. Far be it from us to forsake the Lord, to serve other gods, we too will serve the Lord because he is our God. As we begin a new series of lessons called God's Early Leaders, we enter into the book of Judges. Joshua had once again assembled the tribes of Israel. This time they assembled at Shechem, north of Bethel and Shiloh in the hill country of Ephraim. In Shechem, they reaffirmed the covenant made with the Lord. And that is where our lesson for this week begins with the first verses of our lesson, Judges chapter 2, verses 6 and 7. Judges chapter 2, verses 6 
and 7. After Joshua had dismissed the Israelites, they went to take possession of the land, each to their own inheritance. The people served the Lord throughout the lifetime of Joshua and of the elders who outlived him and who had seen all the great things the Lord had done for Israel. I want to start our lesson for this week remembering the story of God's people by looking closely at subsequent generations. God delivered the Israelites from Egypt. Let me call those people generation number one with Moses as their leader. Because of the lack of faith of generation number one, God did not allow any of them to enter the promised land. You might remember that God made these leaders and all the Israelites wander in the desert for 40 years. One year for every day, the 12 scouted out the land without faith. Generation number one, all died in the desert. The children of generation number one were born in the desert during their 40 years of wandering. I will call this generation or this group of people generation number two, and they were led by Joshua. Generation number two included the elders mentioned in Judges chapter two, verse seven. Generation number two had seen God do miracles in the desert, water from the rock, manna from heaven and quail for food. They had seen God stop the flow of the Jordan River upstream during flood season so they would, could cross into the promised land. They had witnessed the walls of Jericho fall and had seen God deliver the Israelites from the mighty armies of Canaan. Generation number two had remained faithful to the Lord under the leadership of Joshua and then subsequently under the leadership of the elders. They ordered their lives according to the Lord's royal decrees, which were the laws given at Sinai. They sought to love God above all and to love others as themselves. God, all, God allowed them to fight their enemies and possess more land. Generation number three were the children born in the promised land. They had no memories of Egypt. They did not experience the desert. They were young when God gave the land of Canaan to Israel. Life was easier for these Israelites. Would generation number three be faithful to the covenant that God had made with his people? Let's find out as we read on in Judges chapter two, starting now in verse 10. Judges chapter two verses 10 through 23. After that whole generation had been gathered to their ancestors, another generation grew up who knew neither the Lord nor, nor what he had done for Israel. Then the Israelites did evil in the eyes of the Lord and served the Baals. They forsook the Lord, the God of their ancestors, who had brought them out of Egypt. They followed and worshiped various gods of the people around them. They aroused the Lord's anger because they forsook him and served Baal and the Asherahs. In his anger against Israel, the Lord gave them into the hands of raiders who plundered them. 
he sold them into the hands of their enemies all around, whom, whom they were no longer able to resist. Whenever Israel went out to fight, the hand of the Lord was against them to defeat them, just as he had sworn to them. They were in great distress. Then the Lord raised up judges who saved them out of the hands of their raiders. Yet they would not listen to their judges, but prostituted themselves to other gods and worshiped them. They quickly turned from the ways of their ancestors who had been obedient to the Lord's commands. Whenever the Lord raised up a judge for them, he was with the judge and saved them out of the hands of their enemies as long as the judge lived. For the Lord relented because of their groaning under those who oppressed them and afflicted them. But when the judge died, the people returned to ways even more corrupt than those of their ancestors, following other gods and serving and worshiping them. They refused to give up their evil practices and stubborn ways. Therefore, the Lord was very angry with Israel and said, because this nation has violated the covenant I ordained for their ancestors and has not listened to me, I will no longer drive out before them any of the nations Joseph left or Joshua left when he died. <clears throat> I will use them to test Israel and see whether they will keep the way of the Lord and walk in it as their ancestors did. <clears throat> The Lord had allowed those nations to remain. He did not drive them out at once by giving them into the hands of Joshua. The book of Judges illustrates what Dr. Jim Edlin calls God's relentless love for his people. We often hear and refer to God's relentless love as grace. The challenge of grace is that people often take God's grace for granted. You see, one generation experiences the goodness and the power of God and lives their lives to please him. The next generation only hears of the experiences their parents had, and they become spiritually lazy and do not know God or follow him. They suffer for such sinful living and cry out to God. God hears, and his relentless love is gracious toward them, and the people return to him in repentance and faith. One generation later, however, new families repeat the cycle. Within one generation in our story today of living in the promised land, God's chosen people knew neither the Lord nor what he had done for Israel, according to Judges chapter 2, verse 10. The Hebrew word translated new speaks of experiential knowledge, not just head knowledge. Generation number three had undoubtedly heard the stories of the Jordan River and of Jericho and the walls falling down. They had not, however, experienced them firsthand, nor had they need to, needed to trust the Lord to defeat armies like their parents had. They inherited blessings from the previous generation, but they had not taken on the faith of their parents. We all need to acknowledge the fact that faith is not something we can inherit. Each generation must choose to follow God afresh.
notice the verbs used in verses 11 through 13 of Judges chapter 2 to describe Israel's choices. They did evil. They served Baal, forsook God, followed and worshiped other gods, and provoked the Lord's anger. As a result of their lack of faith in the one true God of Israel, the people began to follow the so-called gods of the people who had lived in Canaan before them. The chief god of the Canaanites was named Baal-Hadad and was their god of fertility. The Canaanites believed that he caused the rain to water the crops. Asherah, another false god of the Canaanites, was considered the goddess of sexuality. Those who worshiped the Baals and the Asherahs expected abundant harvest, healthy herds, and flourishing families. Archaeological excavations from the period of Israel's judges revealed that Israelite culture did not differ greatly from Canaanite culture. While Israel's villages reflect a simpler lifestyle, religious life unfortunately appears very similar to the Canaanites. The Israelites shifted their lives from conquest to coexistence with their enemies. Instead of transforming the, their world, they tolerated their world. Rather than distinguishing themselves from the Canaanites and witnessing to them, God's people had become just like them. This is sadly what can happen today when people who identify as Christians become either lazy or religious, but lack a true relationship with Almighty God. Jesus spoke of such people in Matthew chapter 22, verse 29, where he said, you are in error because you do not know the scriptures or the power of God. By joining the worship of the local gods around them, the Israelites aroused the anger of the Lord, verse 12. I want to talk for a moment about the Lord's anger. There are approximately 714 references in the Old Testament to anger, 518 of which refer to God's anger. Lest we think that God has an anger problem, we need to look carefully at the scripture. In nine different texts, the Old Testament declares that God is slow to anger. One example is found in Exodus chapter 34, verses six through seven, where it says that God passed in front of Moses, proclaiming the Lord, the Lord, the compassionate and gracious God, slow to anger, abounding in love and faithfulness, maintaining love to thousands and forgiving wickedness, rebellion, and sin. Yet he does not leave the guilty unpunished. Other references to God being slow to anger include Numbers chapter 14, verse 18, Nehemiah 9, 17, Psalm chapter 86, verse 15, chapter 103, verse 8, chapter 145, verse 8, Joel chapter 2, verse 13, Jonah chapter 4, verse 2, and Nahum chapter 1, verse 3. When people think of God's divine anger, 
they often think of the great flood recorded in Genesis. Interestingly, and maybe surprisingly, there are no references to divine anger in the book of Genesis. What moves God to send the deluge, deluge is not anger, but a grieving heart filled with pain. Genesis chapter 6, verse 6 says, The Lord was grieved and his heart was filled with pain. The motivation for the flood was not divine anger, but divine heartache. The first place divine anger is seen in scripture is actually Exodus chapter 4, verse 14. God had tried to convince Moses to go to Egypt as the divinely appointed deliverer of God's people from their bondage. Moses evades God's call five times. In Exodus chapter 4, verse 13, Moses said, please send somebody else. Exodus chapter 4, verse 14 then says, then the Lord's anger burned against Moses. The first time divine anger is mentioned in scripture is toward Moses. It's actually quite rare in the Old Testament to read of God getting angry at a named individual. In the Old Testament, God's wrath was directed much, much more to groups than to individuals. If so, then what groups did God's anger come against? Was it those pompous Philistines, those arrogant Ammonites, those child-sacrificing Canaanites? The overwhelming answer is no. God's anger was provoked most often by Israel, his own covenant chosen people. You see, when God's people choose to ignore their covenant obligations and flaunt their disobedience, that's what that was something that God did not take lightly. One more consideration before moving on. In the New Testament, we might consider when, when and to whom did Jesus display his anger? Was it Herod or Pilate, Judas or the Roman soldiers? Not directly. Instead, Jesus was angry with the Pharisees, Mark chapter 3, verse 5, because of their rigid formalism. Jesus was angry with his own disciples, Mark chapter 10, verse 14, because of their lack of concern for children. Jesus was angry at the money changers in the temple, Mark chapter 11, verses 15 to 17, because they were exploiting worship for profit. Jesus never became angry because of something someone did to him. His anger came because he loved righteousness and hated wickedness. The act of becoming angry in Judges chapter 2, verse 12, is a technical covenant term indicating the reaction of the covenant maker to a violation of the covenant not a subjective emotional response. If they did not repent, it would lead to political and spiritual failure. God allowed Israel's enemies to invade their country. He allowed the raiders to oppress the Israelites, essentially subjecting them to slavery similar to their slavery in Egypt. 
working hard with little to eat. In essence, the Israelites were opposed by two forces, God and the enemies from the other nations. In spite of Israel's unfaithfulness, the Lord responded graciously to them. We learn in Judges chapter 2, verse 16, that God raised up judges who saved them from their enemies. Though Israel did not earn or deserve it, the Lord devised a way to deliver the people, his people, and bring them back to him. I love the way that says it in scripture in 2 Samuel chapter 14, verse 14. It says, God devises ways to bring us back when we have been separated from him. The judges were people God empowered to free Israel from their enemies and to lead them back to faith in the Lord. Do you realize that God is still doing this today? Maybe you have a lost loved one. God is devising a way to bring him or her back to the Lord. God is raising up a judge called a witness today to lead your son or your daughter back to him. The Church of the Nazarene refers to this relentless love of God for the lost as provenient grace. And you and I are called to be agents of God's grace to the lost. It would be good for us to recognize that there's even grace in the discipline displayed towards sinners. Judges chapter 2, verses 14 and 15 says, The Lord allowed his people to be plundered, sold into slavery, and defeated by their enemies. Such suffering and consequences of a life without God can help people realize how important a deep and personal relationship with God really is. Thus, God's gracious, God graciously permits people to feel sin's sting in hopes that they might turn back to him. Even with the leadership of the judges, the people turned away from their covenant with God. Some people would not listen to the judges and worshiped other so-called gods, according to verse 17. Others seemed to follow God as long as the judge was alive, but as soon as the judge died, the people rebelled again. Verse 19, it appeared that each time the rebellion happened in Israel, it would get worse than the time before. They became more and more corrupt in each new generation. The constant failure of faith can dig a deeper hole each time. Each time, the Lord extended grace to Israel but he never removed the obstacles to faith or the temptations that were around the Israelites. In fact, God declared in Judges chapter 2, verses 21 and 22, that he would no longer drive out any nations who remained in Israel after Joshua's death. These nations would be used to test Israel, to see if they would keep the way of the Lord, like generation number two did. God has continued to allow humanity to exercise free will through the ages. Temptations remain for a time. The enemy is the prince of the world for the moment. Christ died, however, to offer humanity forgiveness of sins 
and to set humanity free from the power of sin. Today, God's spirit continues to pursue lost people. God's patience delays Christ's second coming, giving the world time to repent. Will you accept God's covenant love in Christ? Will you keep the way of the Lord and live in personal relationship with the one who created you? God's gracious love is coming after you today. Don't resist him. Turn to him today. Thank you for listening to the Faith Connections podcast. If you wish to order Faith Connection materials for your local church, please visit thefoundrypublishing.com. If you've enjoyed this production and wish to hear more, visit holinesstoday.org slash podcast or find us on Spotify, Apple, and Google Podcasts.